the National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at National Parks Traveler. I recently had the great opportunity to visit Everglades National Park in South Florida on the tail end of the dry season. Gazing out across the national park as we drove south from the Ernest F. Coe Visitor Center towards Flamingo, my eyes swept across sawgrass prairie that was broken only occasionally by tree islands. Ivory white egrets were the most obvious birds on this soggy landscape, though a few ospreys circled overhead. Few trails headed out from the road. That, no doubt, explained why, when we pulled over near one of those tree islands that touched the road, cars and trucks whipped by us in such a hurry that they couldn't appreciate this unique landscape. Yvette Cano, the National Park's Director of Education, had been checking her GPS coordinates as we drove south, and here, along the road, she was satisfied that we had arrived at our destination. Looking at the thick stand of bald cypress forest, I wasn't exactly sure what made this spot so attractive until Cano led me, contributing editor Kim O'Connell, and special projects editor Patrick Cohn off the shoulder of the road and into the water. So, Yvette, what, what is this that we're walking through? Well, welcome to a cypress dome. We are surrounded by cypress trees, and these in particular are bald cypress, uh, which basically means that they lose their needles, and you can see remnants of needles hanging on some of these air plants. Watch your step with some of these roots. Now, this one's starting to throw out some bracts. Yes, so... This that, is the cardinal air plant? Um, that would be my guess. There's a good variety of air plants. This is probably the more common one. It, this is obvious the spring is here. All the blooms are starting. This is an old inflorescence. Um, but in just, probably in just a few weeks, you start to see the actual blooms come out of the inflorescence. So these tiny little purple flowers for the most part. Um, but air plants can be this large or they can be really tiny. They, they can be very, very small. So there's a good variety of air plants. And this is the ecosystem where you would find them. Nature's greenhouse is yeah. what I like to call them. Yeah. Now, am I right? Are they kind of related to pineapples? They are. They are. Except these are epiphytic. Right. So they, all they need from the plant is space. They don't require any nutrients from the plant. They're just hanging out here, just like an orchid would. Right? They get whatever they need from the air, hence the air plant name. Right. And anything that might fall into the plant itself. Yeah. This is also home for tons of critters. You can find things like bats, lizards, scorpions, hanging out in, in and around these air plants. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, and it, this is a wet hike, and we're about um, 15 or 20 feet off the road, and we're already knee-deep. Um, is this... Typical, or is it just the time of year that we're at? Yeah, so usually during this time of year, we are at the peak of our dry season. So at the very end of our winter months, about to come into spring. And if you were to come here, normally we would be about ankle deep. This year in particular, we've received lots of rain during our winter months. And just the other day, we got a nice rainstorm that came through, filled up this area for us. So it's a nice treat to have so much water this time of year. Yeah, you know, and we're, we're from Utah, the Southwest, which is in a 1200 a year drought. Um, so 
feel free to send some of this water out to us. Well, the Everglades loves the water, so I don't know if we're going to be giving it away. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go on. All right. Yeah, no, it's really interesting footing. I mean, you know, you're walking through water and you might imagine that you'd be walking through mud, but it's really pretty firm under underfoot. Well, it's not only firm, but look how clear it is, right? right? So that's super deceiving as well. At first glance, when you're looking off the road, or when you think of Everglades National Park, you would have a tendency to think muck, mud, dirty water, but this is a river. It's moving water, and this clean water is essential, right? Everglades National Park was the first national park to be set aside for life. And life wouldn't exist with polluted water, right? That's so, true. And this is the very water that South Floridians drink. Or if you are a tourist and visiting South Florida, you turn the faucet on, you're drinking the water or taking a shower with the water that an alligator swam in. Good to know, good to know. <laughs> There's quite a bit of roots there, so just watch your step. And we can be a little higher if you if you come off the path there you, you actually that's the area where people have okay over and over again this is a good example of um a couple of cypress trees i have a baby here to show you and a taller one so let's look at some of the adaptations and some of the features of these trees first and foremost they're super flexible which is so important if you live in a place that has tropical storms and hurricanes. So they do a really good job of moving around in the wind. However, that doesn't mean that they don't get knocked down from time to time. And when that does happen, alligators take advantage of those depressions for alligator holes, oh. which we might get lucky and see one as we keep going in. Now this, this baby is maybe five, five and a half foot tall. The, the adult is, uh, what do you say, 25, 30 feet tall? That's about right. That's about right. And some of the features that you'll start to see as a tree gets bigger, you notice it a little bit on this baby one, but it's the root system. Right. A really wide root system, a buttress root. And that's important if you're living in an ecosystem that doesn't have a lot of space for you to put your roots down into. So we have limestone floor right underneath our feet and the roots, mm, they go in and around, but they can't get very deep. So what do you do? Well, you widen your stance to make sure that you're not falling over. So that is indicative of these plants as well as cypress knees. And we might come upon a cypress knee. I don't see one. I think I saw some over there. Yeah. But I'm wondering, I mean, don't cypress grow really slowly? So you call this one a baby. It's, it's roughly five and a half foot tall. How many years old would you say this is? You know, that's that's a tough question because it all depends on how much water and how many nutrients a plant, these plants in particular have, mm -hmm. that will indicate how quickly they grow. So if, for example, we have a, a young tree that's been through several droughts, well, that's going to stunt its growth. It's going to stop growing for some time. Versus this tree, perhaps, that has been through successful seasons after seasons with lots of nutrients, and it's been doing really well. So sometimes side by side, and I'm not saying that's the truth here, we might have a young tree or what appears to be a young tree next to what appears to be an older tree, and the age might actually be reversed yeah. because of the nutrients that's available to that tree. Walking through this cypress dome isn't terribly difficult because the floor is limestone and there are plenty of tree trunks to grab onto for stability. 
but there had to be something underfoot to nourish the vegetation. So right underneath our feet, actually, I'm gonna dig some up here. You can see what I'm talking about when I talk about the nutrients. So if you look closely. Looks like shredded up bark. Well, it's actually the needles yeah. from the tree. And they slowly decompose and turn into dirt. So as that process is happening, obviously they take advantage of that. In addition to that, our limestone floor also takes advantage of that. So these needles are actually a result of when these needles fall off of the tree in the winter months or when our days get shorter, hence the name bald cypress. They hmm. stay needleless. And that's really great because it coincides with our dry season. So hmm. what a great way to conserve water. You don't need water, you don't need energy if you don't have any needles. When the days become longer, which coincides with our wet season, then the needles reappear. So these are fresh needles on these trees. But year after year, as these trees drop their needles, the trees themselves take advantage of that decom decomposing needles. They eat that stuff up, lots of great nutrients. We are in an oligotrophic system. So they take advantage of any food that they can get, right? In addition, our limestone floor starts to eat away slowly, erode slowly, which is great because that actually creates a larger cypress dome. Okay. As that rock eats away, the water becomes deeper. The trees have more water, more nutrients. And that is a very slow process, but clearly it's, it's working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we go see if we can find some of these gators out here. All right, let's do it. <laughs> this is Kurt Repencheck with Everglades National Park Ranger, Yvette Cano, working our way across a cypress dome in the park. We're going to take a short break before we resume our search for a gator hole. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org. Interior Federal Credit Union is pleased to offer members up to $500 in closing costs with a new home equity line of credit. Now is a great time to apply for a rate of 3.25% APR before they jump up. Take advantage of low rates and a great deal at interiorfcu.org. Membership is required, equal housing lender. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Petrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com. P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. See their successes at gtnpf.org.
As we continued our slog deeper into the Cypress Dome, Ranger Cano took time to point out the unique vegetation that thrives here. Most prominent, aside from the cypress trees, were epiphytes, air plants that don't need to extend roots down into soil or water, but rather cling to tree trunks and pull their nourishment right out of the air. Here you start to see some of the blooms emerging. You can tell it's spring as well, all these. Beautiful epiphytes. Look at these things. Uh-huh. So you see the purple, the purple bloom coming right? That's the bloom itself. So otherwise it's the inflorescence to say, look at me, look at me. That's really neat. And we might have some prettier ones in here, but get that one because then we try and find it and then we never do. I mean, that's a, that's the beauty about getting off the road and into the, the, the landscape is you discover all the life that is out here. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're in awe, right? You're looking around, you, you can't take it all in fast enough. Right. And the next couple of steps you take, it's something else and something else that blows your mind away and, and you have questions about. This one of those elbows or knees? Let's see, oh, yes it is. So cypress knees are a lot of fun. So this is actually a cypress knee. When you come upon it, many think, well, it's a tree that broke up, broke down or uh, you know, burned or something happened to it. However, this is an adaptation of these plants. Scientists don't necessarily agree as to what is the purpose of a knee. The tree does not need it to survive, but what the debate is, is does it need it for stability? Which would make sense if you're looking again at a wet ecosystem, limestone floor, not a whole lot of roots that are able to penetrate into the ground to hold on to. Mm -hmm. So let's not, you know, let's spread out, let's shoot up some other features to help us stabilize. And then air exchange, so pneumatophores. So it, it does serve for both of those purposes. Um, it doesn't need it to survive, which is mind blowing, knowing, you know, the air exchange piece of it. But clearly these plants are adapted to living with their feet wet their entire life. So this is attached to one of these? It is. That's interesting. It is. And we don't necessarily know. We can't say, oh, it's the closest one. That's not necessarily the case. It could be some of the furthest ones that decided, or one of the larger ones that decided to spread their roots out. They're pretty cool. And I will tell you a fun fact. Back in the 80s here in South Florida, people would cut them and use them as stands for glass tables. Really? Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> So it was very difficult to go into people's homes and find them as bases for tables. And this is a wood forever. It doesn't rot because it lives in water. So, and it really is very beautiful once it's um, uh, shined up. See, Kurt, you can see we were talking about the different air plants. You can see how different this one is. Right, so it's not... But for comparison, yeah, yeah. See, this one's way has like longer tendrils. Yeah, I would say longer hair. Longer hair. <laughs> Long curly hair. <laughs> yeah, where that one is definitely channeling the '80s here in South Florida with the spikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you lost anybody on your, your hikes yet? No, no, everyone's <laughs> accounted for. <laughs> All right, we'll try and keep it that way. So, yeah. so far. So far. And the water really is clear. I mean, you can see down, you know, a couple feet if, if you're in a deep enough hole. Mm -hmm. well, if you're in a couple feet, you might be sharing space with an alligator, so. All right, well, he'll let us know, right? Or she'll let us know. <laughs> Definitely. 
they said nature's greenhouse. Right. And these plants are really neat because the once they bloom, the what we would consider the mother plant or the plant that's blooming will die, and you can see evidence of that. Sure. And it has then the pups. So then it's, you know, that's why they look so large sometimes because it's one plant replacing the other and it'll send up, a f it'll send out a few of these babies. Kind of, kind of like, a, I guess, a spider plant at home where it'll throw off those long tendrils and you'll see a new plant. Right, but there's no long tendrils no. here. It just, it has additional pups. And let's see if I can find some seeds. This is an old one, so there may not be any seeds left. And then those bracts are just coming out and they're kind of scarlet and burgundy and just, mm -hmm. uh, just beautiful. Yes, absolutely. So there's, let me find some seeds for you. So we can have some fun here. Huh. Sounds like a squirrel was upset. That's a woodpecker. Really? Yes. We've got, woodpecker. we've got squirrels at home imitating woodpeckers. <laughs> it's not an ivory bill. No. You sure? I'm sure. Yeah, all right. Sure. Well, the seeds on these, and I can't seem to find any, they're fluffy and white. And the reason why you see multiple air plants in different places is because these seeds fly and they attach to this really rough bark. Huh. And then you have another opportunity for life. And it's really amazing because in different areas you don't see so many. Right now we're just surrounded by them in these right. cypress. And you wonder, right, you know, was this a hurricane that made this happen at the right time of year in this particular area? Because hurricanes do strange things, right? Even though we think of them as these huge wind events, there's very specific wind events within each of these hurricanes. So did something come into this area and just do a really good job of spreading the seeds? You know, nature is, is pretty amazing, and it's magical in, in its behavior. Sure. Unpredictable, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then something else that we can see on these trees is just how high the water level gets. So if we take a look at this one in particular, right? Sure. So we have the, the line being uh, the, the uh, color change, if you will, as a result of these uh, lichen. So the lichen will stop growing where the water last was. So that's the high water mark. That's that, the high water mark. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, when we're talking about the, the, the burgundy or the scarlet um, bracts on those um, air plants, and you look around and there's so much green in the, the ferns and even the, I, I don't know, what type of water vegetation is that? Yeah, there's a, a good amount of water vegetation. Um, lemon bacopa, there's a couple of different grasses. You'll find sawgrass in here if it's a, a sunny enough spot. You'll even find some palm trees growing in this water. Really? Yeah. But just, just the color. I mean, it's, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, and the mosses as well. Every, every living thing takes advantage of this, right? It's the perfect situation. Imagine in the summer, look what nice cover we have. Mm -hmm. It's really uh, conducive to avoiding the heat. So if you're a water-loving plant, you love the humidity, this is it. This is the perfect place for you. Yeah. So the colors are phenomenal. And in the winter, the vegetation disappears because they're bald cypress. Okay, we're getting closer to the middle of the cypress dome and hopefully a gator hole with some resident gators. We'll be back in a minute to continue our exploration with Ranger Yvette Cano. 
Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It is also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That is why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people, inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering, and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife, and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at yosemite.org. We all aspire to leave a legacy of good, right? One way or the other, our parks and public lands are all of our legacies. Join Wild Tributes for the Parks community with apparel that pays tribute to where legacy roams. Together, we can and will make a difference for the parks. Join us at wildtribute.com. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. As we continue on, Ranger Kino stops us to explain the subtle change that is taking place in the Cypress Dome. This is a nice clearing, so we're not going to walk through the clearing because usually that means it's deeper. The amazing thing is the, um, the fluctuations throughout the year in this ecosystem Whereas out in canyon country, it seems static because it's always the same or, or it appears to us because, you know, we have such short lifespans. We don't appreciate the generations and years that go by between change. But here it's... Well, and uh, the change in, in the canyon lands, for example, happens over thousands of years, right? Here, it's, it's every season we have this wet, dry change that really shows us uh, features the Everglades in a very different light. And here we have a different kind of epiphyte. This is a strangler fig. Yeah. So you can see the vegetation coming up off of there. And unlike our bromeliads, this one will compete for space. So it will eventually take over um, this particular cypress tree and claim its space right here. Really? Mm-hmm. Know, it is cypress, native. Cypress tree is 50 feet or so. Well. All right. <laughs> competing for some space, and it'll happen unless some fire runs through here or for whatever reason it breaks off because of a storm, and then the cypress continue on. Okay. And here's some evidence of storms, right? You can see some of these cypress trees that have fallen over as hurricanes move through here. And we notice that area that seemed deeper. Mm -hmm. That's probably where this cypress tree came from. 
cleared them out. Yep, ripping up a piece of limestone. And that's a great place for alligators to move into, creating an alligator hole. So they'll take advantage of some of that soft muck in there, move it around with their tail, get it out of the way, create a swimming pool. Hmm. They are the engineers of the Everglades. Not to mention the fact that all life depends on these gator holes. Yeah. yeah. So peak dry season, there's no water except in the gator hole. If you're a fish or a turtle, a deer, a panther, a bear, you need water. Now, there's only one price to pay, though, right? Yeah. That landlord will collect rent about once a week. Yeah. <laughs> now, you said we're on a cypress dome, but actually it's um, kind of concave, isn't it? I mean, the way the cypress is uh, boring down, so to speak. Well, the way, the way that the cypress dome works is it's a mirrored habitat. So the deeper the water, the taller the tree. So if you stand outside of a cypress dome and look upon it, it has that dome appearance. Sure, sure. And then that's exactly what's happening underneath. So the taller the tree, the deeper the water. The smaller the trees on, on either side, the more shallow the water. And again, this is a cypress dome, not a hardwood hammock. Correct. A hardwood hammock is high and dry. Okay. So we, we consider those our, our castles, right? They're high and dry above the water. They have a moat around them. Uh, created by some of the mammals and even our alligators that will go around them as before they come upon them. Hmm. Um, also, they were used by our Miccosukee Indians. For? For homes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And you can also appreciate the smell in here. It just it's... Well, coming from Utah, I appreciate the humidity. My skin is loving it. <laughs> I'm sure. Quite the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back home looking younger. So are there turtles in here? Turtles, yes. All right. Yeah. Usually they'll take advantage of any sunny spot that comes through the canopy and perch themselves up. Or, you know, uh, during the day they may find themselves just outside the cypress dome looking for some sun. Snakes as well, same thing. They'll right. curl up on some of these fallen cypresses or on some of the knees. So what kind of snakes we got in here? Well, we, we can find typically in the water, you'll find water moccasins. Um, you can also find um, some, of the, some of our water snakes that are non-venomous. Okay, well, you go first. <laughs> Fair enough. Remember, they're more afraid of us than Sure. So it's interesting um, that we've got this one cypress that is kind of skinny and kind of looks like it's on harder times, and yet these air plants seem to love it. Absolutely. They don't discriminate. They appreciate anything that they can hang on to. And that one in particular is actually in full bloom. So again, this rough bark is great for the seeds of these epiphytes at, when they go airborne. It's got a little purple going on there. It does, and look how flexible that is. I mean, you're holding onto it and it's moving from side to side. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell from the height of the trees, I guess, when we get to the, the middle of the dome, so to speak, or the top of the dome? Yeah, from the height of the trees, but also the depth of the water. So remember, the deeper it is, the taller the tree. Okay. So we're, we're little by little walking towards a deeper area. It doesn't seem that way, and, it, and especially because there's some dips in different areas. Yeah. But across the landscape, consistently is a little deeper in that center. 
Also, again, going back to our gator holes, that's usually where you're going to find the gator hole with that dry down. All right. Needless to say, that's where the water remains the longest. Well, that's what we're here for. We want to see a gator. All right, we're headed that way. Charismatic right. megafauna. <laughs> Most people come and visit this area during the winter months, which is beautiful. The weather is perfect, it's lovely. Um, however, the summer months offer a very different experience. The water is higher and the bromeliads are in full bloom. Most people don't ever have the opportunity to see these bromeliads in bloom, the orchids. This is a time of year it all happens. Now, I, I just heard a barking or something. Was that a, a frog or is that a gator waiting for us? No, that barking was probably a pig frog. All right. Or maybe one of the birds. We have, we have a woodpecker chirping around there. Yeah. Finding some bugs in this bark. Oh, there's the pig frog. That's a pig frog. That's yep. a pig frog. Promise. Promise. <laughs> Alligators bellow and hiss. So very different. Okay. Section right there. Yeah. So go that way. So we're going to read the landscape here a little bit, right? We've been walking through all of these cypress trees. Everything is pretty open. You can see in between the trees. However, I want you to look over to my right now. And do you notice a change in the vegetation? A little thicker. Yeah, it's a little, a little more ferns. Uh huh. Right. So if you look up, do you also notice that maybe there's a bit of a clearing? There may not necessarily be as many cypress trees. Yeah, I think I see one of your fig trees there. <laughs> okay, one of the, oh, yep, yep, one of the, the strangler figs. But what's happening is that a couple of trees must have fallen over. More sun is penetrating the canopy. And right in the center, if we were to be honorary birds fly over, we're going to see this pool. So who might be a resident there? All right, all right. She's leading us into the gator trap. <laughs> we get lucky and our resident gator is hanging out there today. So there's a couple of places that the gator can be. So we'll peek around and see if we spot them. There is a lot of water. He might be out in the landscape, huh? Yes. All right, so we're getting closer to the gator hole, but before we do, you actually have a carnivore right at your legs. Oh yeah? Nothing to worry about. It's pretty harmless to humans. This is a bladder wart. Oh, okay. So it is a floating plant. Um, and actually, if you look closely, it has tiny bladders. Yeah. And it eats our friend's mosquito larva. Good. So it does a really good job. <laughs> that is our friend. <laughs> yeah. So it'll float around perfectly adapted to an ecosystem of that wet, dry of the seasonalities because it just follows the water. Hmm. And eating all kinds of unsuspecting insects. Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. The Venus flytrap of the Everglades. All right. <laughs> is that your owl? We have an owl. Yeah. What type of owl is that? A barred owl. So if a you barn owl? Barred. Oh, barred. So if you listen to it, it says, who, who, who cooks for you? <laughs> See if we hear it again. Is that your hole? That's part of it. It's pretty big. So there's different compartments, if you will. So this is just one of the sections. And like I said, the water's high, so sometimes they're hanging out, 
and sometimes they're not. They're in different places. And how many would you typically have in a hole? In this particular one, I've seen two and sometimes even three on a really dry year. Um, but depends on the size of the hole. The larger the hole, there's more space. They're not competing for space. But as if we have a real dry, dry year, then it's, you know, survival of the fittest. You really have to find that water where, where hmm. you can. So sometimes they do get pretty crowded and pretty stressed as well. So because we don't see them doesn't mean that it's not there. It can very well be there, but it might be underneath the water. Um, so, but we'll keep looking because there's a couple of other places we might spot them. And just keep an eye out because their eyes might pop up. <laughs> we never did spot an alligator during our slog through the Cypress Dome, but that didn't lessen the adventure. Cardinal air plants that were sprouting with their burgundy flower bracts offset the various hues of green that dominated the setting. Chirping cardinals and hungry woodpeckers filled the air with their calls and pecking, which occasionally were interrupted by burping pig frogs and a lone barred owl. To the drivers motoring down the park highway between the Ernest Co. Visitor Center and Flamingo, this stand of trees might appear to simply be a high point intruding on the sawgrass prairie. But as Ranger Cano showed us, it really is a magical ecological chapter hidden in plain sight in Everglades National Park. That's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. When you get a chance to visit Everglades National Park, check at the Co-Visitor Center to see about signing up for a sluice log into the landscape. Or if you're confident of your abilities, simply pull over as you drive down the park road and plunge right in yourself. Next week, we'll be visiting with Glen Canyon National Recreation Area Superintendent Bill Schott to learn how the ongoing drought in the Southwest is impacting Lake Powell and get a preview of what boaters should expect this summer if they visit the National Recreation Area. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Rebencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcasts. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit nationalparkstraveler.org.